to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Well, this is a good atmosphere to preach in, so just remain standing. Get your Bibles, if you would, open to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And I want to preach a message that I've entitled Faith in Turbulent Times. Faith in Turbulent Times. But I want to zero in on one particular area, and you'll realize it as soon as we read the text. But it's Malachi chapter 3. I think there's only four chapters in the whole little prophecy. And I want to begin at verse 8, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. And this is God speaking. And it goes like this. Will a man rob God, and yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you, God? And God answers, and he says, in tithes and offerings. And then God says something I don't ever want to hear him say to me. You are cursed with a curse. I I want to hear him say, you're blessed with a blessing. How about y'all? But he told Israel, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. And then he gives a challenge. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he issues another challenge. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. How many know there's a difference between blessing and such blessing? Such blessing, uh, blessing is when I give you a $100 bill. Such blessing is when I cut you a check that won't bounce for $100,000. He said, see if there won't be such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of the armies of heaven because that's what host means. Can you say amen to the word? It's a good word. You can be seated. So when Malachi penned these words as well as the rest of the words in his little prophecy, the children of Israel were living in turbulent times. For 70 years they had been in a Babylonian exile but they had returned to Palestine and they had developed a, a little community there in that nation reforming Israel, so to speak. But there was a problem. Many of the people had grown spiritually careless and even immoral. And corruption was seen and evident among the leaders in the land. Business owners were failing to pay the wages to the wage earners. They were exploiting them. The widows and the orphans were not being taken care of, so there was social injustice. Marriages were falling apart It became increasingly difficult to find justice when injustice was suffered. Let me just stop right there. Does any of that sound vaguely familiar in the 21st century? Does any of that sound like our day and time? Yeah, it's very, very similar. And and consequently, these turbulent conditions challenged the faith of the true people of God. While a lot of those people were spiritually careless and immoral, there was a group that kept trying to serve the Lord, and God took note of those people, and the Bible says, it's, I think in Malachi 4, that 
God got a book and listed their names in it. And can I just stop right here and tell you today, if you're serving the Lord faithfully, God knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows that you're being faithful. He knows that you're being obedient. He knows that you're trying to do the right thing when it seems like a lot of people around you are not. You're recorded in the annals of heaven. He sees your faithfulness and obedience. And it's no secret to anyone in this room that we are living in turbulent times. I can just highlight a few things that we all see every day. It's uncertain who the president of the United States is going to be right now. Uh, there are serious charges of election fraud that are hanging out there. And if they're true, we've got a problem in America. Because in this democracy, this d democratic republic that we have, the sacred one sacred thing that we have is our vote. It, that's the power of the people. And so we're living in turbulent times. It, it seems like there's just so much unrest. We see rioting and looting in the streets of America. Americans beating on Americans, assaulting Americans. We're, we're a divided nation. We're polarized. It can feel like there's no justice sometimes. It feels like people who are in sin or committing wickedness are getting away with it. And that can just be so unsettling to your spirit. And it, yeah, it seems like corruption seems to plague our national leaders. Very similar to what Malachi's time period was like. But here's the lesson that I want to say before we get into the text. In turbulent times, what we learn is that you don't run from God. You run to God. When times are rough and things are difficult and, the, and times are unsettling and, and it seems like there are more questions than there are answers, listen to me, you, you trust him like never before. You go to the rock of your salvation. You stay close by Jesus' side. You stick there. You make sure you stay committed in your walk with him. And listen to me, you obey him and you obey his word, even in the turbulent times. Did you hear what I said? And so God used Malachi to reveal how to have faith in the turbulent times. And I'm, I'm, in no way am I going to pre preach the whole book of Malachi. We would be here for a long, long time. But the Lord had me zero in on one particular area that he addressed uh, that, that you need to have faith in when times are turbulent, and that is the area of your finances. Now, before I preach this message, let me just say this. The church is not having financial problems, and we're not having any difficulties, and we got plenty of money in the bank, and we're 80 to 90 something thousand dollars in receipts above what we need to operate our budget here in the middle of November. So can just somebody say praise the Lord? So we're in good shape and there's money in the bank and all the deacons can vouch for all this. I'm not preaching this message because we're in trouble. But I'm preaching this message because we're in troubling times. And, and so here's what I've found. When times are turbulent and times are troubling, it is human nature to get concerned and even scared. It's human nature sometimes to withdraw or pull back to go into survival mode. I've seen it happen. And in one of those areas that we'll do that it's, is the area of our finances. Our financial well-being and the future can make us unsettled. But faith According to Malachi, faith in turbulent times means trusting God 
with your financial state. How? By operating according to God's financial plan, which is called tithing. Tithing. Now, I believe in tithing. I've practiced tithing nearly my whole life. My mom was teaching me tithing when she was giving me an allowance. That's a good time, parents, to teach your kids how to take a, a tenth and to, and, to, and to give it to the Lord. That's a good time to teach them. My wife works. She tithes. Both of my sons, who are now grown and have their families, they, they were taught to tithe. They both tithe. Okay? It, it, it's, it's, it's something that we do. So I'm not just preaching something for whatever other reason or because I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm preaching this from personal experience today. I know it's God's financial plan. Now, during Malachi's time period, some people had stopped tithing because they were scared. And you might be tempted to not tithe because you're scared. Other people stopped tithing because they were just plain disobedient. Some of them were greedy. Okay, but here's God's promise. Listen, if you are faithful to tithe in the turbulence, I will bless you in the turbulence. I will bless you despite the turbulence. And that means your finances will be protected from the turbulence. Now, that's a pretty good promise, isn't it? So what is tithing? Well, the word tithe means a tenth, a tenth. So it's very, very simple. If you earn $10, you pay tithes on what you earn, not gifts, but if you earn your salary, you earn money through investments, or you broker a deal and you make a profit, then you're supposed to take 10% of that and give it to the Lord. So if you, if you make $10, you owe God a dollar. $1 belongs to God. If you make $50, $5 belongs to God. If you make $100, $10 belongs to God. If you make $500, $50 belongs to God. If you make $1,000, $100 belongs to God, and so on. I think you get it, right? You take 10% of whatever you make, and you give it to God. Now, somebody might hear me say this and say, all right, pastor, I love you. But what kind of plan is that? I'm not getting anything. I'm losing money. I'm losing money. 10% of my hard-earned money, you're saying to give it to God. I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not losing anything. So we need to settle something right now. That's wrong. So get that out of your head. You're not losing anything. I don't have time to defend the tithe because there are people who try to get out of the tithe theologically. And theologically, they say, well, now, tithing was an Old Testament thing that was done under the, the law of Moses. And that was only for the people of Israel. We're no longer under the law. We're under the New Testament. And so you don't have to give the tithe. You just give whatever you feel like giving to the Lord. And that just sounds so good, but it's not true. I can take you back in tithing all the way back to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Okay? Uh, but I don't have time this morning to defend tithing. But if you want to sit down with me, we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe and talk about it. And if you disagree, I can give you some revelation. Tithing predates Moses. It predates Moses. Every ancient civilization predating Moses had a tithe system. Somebody tell me where they got that idea from. Every ancient religion, false religion, had a tithing system to support their priest. So we don't have time today to defend the tithe. But what I'm trying to tell you is the tithe is claimed by God. So you say, I'm losing money. Wrong. How can you lose something that wasn't yours in the first place? 
if God says the tithe belongs to me, then you'll never lose it. Okay? If, 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 if Joey down here gives me something and says, hold on to this for me, Pastor, until I can come back and get it, and then he comes to claim it, and I give it to him, I don't start crying and blowing my nose because I lost whatever it was that I had in my possession. No, because the whole time it was never mine. It was his. So you have to get a mindset that says, you see, but I worked for it. You sure did, but who gave you the job? Who gave you the health to work the job? Who gives you favor to keep your job? Who sent you those customers and those clients? Who helped you make those sales? Oh, you don't want, I may not get a lot of amens today, but you'll be happy by the end of the message. Hold on. Okay? So, so you, you, you said, wrong. You got to get it in your mind. I'm just giving back to God what's his. It's not mine in the first place. But here's the point. When you tithe, you don't lose money. You obey God. And when you obey God, God promises he will give you blessings. So I want to talk about, for the rest of this message, the tithe blessing, okay? And let me just, very simple preaching today, very simple preaching, the tithe message. Here you go. Number one, when you tithe, God is blessed. God is blessed. Now, what does the word blessed mean? It means to be happy and joyful and satisfied. So when you tithe and give God what is his, God is pleased. God is made happy. Is it because of the money? Y'all really think God needs your money? Come on, answer the question. Y'all think God needs your money? No. No. So is that what makes God happy that you gave him some of your money and now you got to live off a of 90% if you're still thinking like that? No. What makes him happy is that you obeyed him and trusted him. Y'all getting it? Light bulb? Oh, oh, that's it? Yes. He wants you to obey him and trust him. And when you obey him and trust him, he's blessed. You see, obedience matters a lot to God. It's a spiritual non-negotiable. Okay, you cannot say, God, I love you. What a beautiful name it is. That's for all the people who can't sing good. What a beautiful name it is. Y'all who make a joyful noise. You're crying and loving on the Lord. You can't say, God, you have a beautiful name. I love you. You've been so good to me, Lord. I love you. I want to serve you. I want to please you, Lord. I want to go to heaven. But by the way, Lord, there's this one particular thing I read in the Bible. Uh-uh. We ain't having that. Does it work that way? No, it doesn't work that way. Your love and your service and your worship are expressed to God by your obedience. Good stuff right there. Simple but profound. I'm going to drive it home. My love for him, my service to him, my worship of him is expressed in my obedience to him. And then God's blessings to you are expressed in response to your obedience. 1 Samuel 15 tells the story of uh, a guy named King Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. God told him to attack and utterly destroy the Amalekites who were the wicked arch enemy of Israel. He was supposed to destroy everything and everybody. Well, he didn't. He spared the king, King Agag, and then he kept the best of the cattle and the sheep. 
and he brought him back. And Samuel was the prophet who told him what to do, the voice of God. And Samuel comes back, and it's amazing. He says, why didn't you do what God told you to do? And Samuel, Saul, Saul said, I did. I did. I, we, we fought him. We beat him. We killed everybody. He, we destroyed everything like you said to do. And he said, then why do I hear the bleeding of sheep and the lowing of cattle? Saul thought partial obedience was good enough. And that's what he basically said to Samuel. So I obeyed, I partially obeyed. Doesn't that count for something? And you know what he said? No. All of you who have teenagers, if you tell your teenager to go into her room and clean up her filthy, cluttered, messy room, and she says, okay, and you come back in 30 minutes, and as neat as can be, one half of the room is totally straightened, and the other half is still a mess. Do you allow your daughter, teenage daughter, to say to you, but mom, I obeyed. You told me to clean my room. I cleaned it. Look at this side. Do they get away with that? You're not going to talk to me today, are you? All the people online are screaming at their television sets right now. No! What's the answer? No. Dad, you going to allow that with your son? Go wash the car. You come outside, half the car's washed. It's done, Dad. I'm going to play ball, whatever. No, it's not done. You haven't done this side. Yeah, but I did it. No. If an if a earthly father or mother won't let a teenage son or daughter get away with it, what makes you think God the Father is going to look at you and you halfway obey him and he's going to say, good job. No, this whole obedience thing is really important to the Lord. It matters to him. So God wants you to obey. So verse 15, 22, Samuel said, look, behold, look, to obey is better than sacrifice. Some of y'all know this. To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Okay, so what does that mean? To, to obey is better. What it means is that God would rather you obey him than not obey him, but come in here and sing and raise your hands and worship him with your mouth and then go out of here and plan not to obey him again. Your worship only has value. Listen to me. I'm teaching you this morning. Your worship and praise only has value. The service that you do for God, your volunteering, it only has value. The life that you live, that you profess to live for Jesus, only has value when you obey him. Totally obey him. So let me just say this to you. God doesn't need your tithe. Do you think God needs your tithe? I mean, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and I think the whole universe is his, isn't it? So it's not like God needs something that's produced by the United States Treasury churning out dollar bills. God doesn't need your tithe, but I'll tell you what he wants. He wants your obedience. So I want you to get this thought in your mind today. To obey is better. Matter of fact, let's do some audience participation. Everybody say it with me. We're going to say this. To obey is better. Ready? One, two, three, go. To obey is better.
All right, let's, let's do it again. Go. To obey. There you go. You know, they say that you say things three times, that kind of finishes. It's God's perfect number. So let's say it one more time. Ready? Go. To obey is, we got to get that in our minds, that to obey God is better than any other recourse. So when you tithe, you are making a statement to God. You are telling him truly that you love him. You are telling him that you fully trust him with your finances. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So this is pretty straightforward. So if you love Jesus, you'll bring him his tithe. So that's blessing number one. When you give the tithe, it blesses God because you're being obedient. Here's tithe blessing number two. When you tithe, it blesses your church. When you tithe, it blesses your church. Now, God's command was to bring all the tithe, not some of the tithe, all the tithe into the storehouse so that there would be food in his house. So God's word equates God's house with a storehouse, okay, a depository. So just as you deposit your paycheck into the bank, you deposit your tithes into God's house house. For Israel, the house of God was the temple. For us, it's high praises church. Now, a lot of people know some things about the Old Testament temple, that it had a, it had like courts, and there was the court of the Gentiles, and the court of the women, and the court of the men, and the court of the priests, and then it had the holy place, and they know about the brazen uh, altar, and the altar of incense, and the brazen laver, laver, uh, laver rather, and, and they know about the table of showbread and the, and the lamp stand, and they know all about it. And then there was the Holy of Holies, which had the Ark of the Covenant. A lot of people know in church, they know about all those things. What you may not know is that down the sides of the temple, go read this, it's in the Bible, there were storerooms, little side rooms. You know, like, like if you walk down the hallways here, we've got classrooms, okay? This, this place is designed a lot like Maybe like the temple was. We have classrooms. But, but, but they weren't classrooms in the temple. They were storerooms. And you know what they kept there? The tithe. People would bring money, and they'd also bring livestock. And so they had to keep all that and store all that. And so they would, they would put the livestock out in the field, but they'd take the, the money in there. Some people would bring the, the grain and from, their, from their harvest, so they'd store that in the storeroom. And it was a depository. Okay, that was then, but the tithe provided support for the priest to minister full-time to God's people and oversee the spiritual development of the people. Now that's, that's in the Old Testament. Well, today the tithe is placed not in a storeroom but in the church bank account. And it provides the financial support for your pastors to give full-time attention to our church and to our ministries and to equip and edify you and equip and edify the saints. But that's not all the tithe does. It is the tithe fund that... that that, that fuels the various ministries at High Praises Church, like ministry to children, students, young adults, senior adults, men's events, women's events, missions, benevolence, the safety team, growth track, media ministry, the podcast, and so much more. It takes our tithe to make all that happen. Have you ever stopped to think about what's involved in operating this church? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But let me just kind of lay it out for you. There, there are the salaries of the pastors and the support staff. Now, that's a major chunk of the budget. And then there's a mortgage and utilities 
and we have grounds upkeep and buildings upkeep and we make improvements at times. And then there are the purchase of the supplies for the various ministries in the church as well as giving them funds to operate their ministries. So there's a lot that goes on here. And we have a $1.5 million budget. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It takes our tithe to make it happen, okay? Um, take your house. You have a mortgage. You have a utilities. You have to keep up your grounds. You have to keep up your house. You like to make improvements. Sometimes you have to repair things in your house. You have to furnish your house. Whose responsibility is that? It's yours, right? I'm not going to make your mortgage payment. I love you, but that's not happening, okay? You got it. You make it, all right? But what about this house? We've got a mortgage. We've got utilities. We have to make repairs. We have to make improvements. There's grounds upkeep, buildings upkeep. We have to furnish this place. Whose responsibility is that? It's our responsibility. If this is your church, it's our responsibility. It's our job to take care of it. That's how it works. It takes all of us to, who call this place our church home. But here's a wonderful thought. How many times have you left this place unbelievably blessed? When the church is blessed, when we make sure we give the tithes and the offerings and the church is blessed and we have what we need so we can do the ministry, then you get blessed. How many of you have children in our children's ministry right now? Let me see your hand, okay? How many of you appreciate our children's ministry and all that we've got going on over there and the teachers and the training? And How many of you parents appreciate the safety team that we have over there and the protocols that we have. Y'all appreciate that? Yeah, yeah. How many of you have students in our student ministry? Let me see your hand. You have, you have students, yeah. Y'all, don't y'all appreciate our student ministry? How many of you know if there's ever a day, I, hey, old youth pastor here. I was a youth pastor for 10 and a half years. If, if we ever, I'm a big believer in student ministry because, boy, if there's ever a time our teenagers need to hear about Jesus and they need to be grounded in the faith, it's in this day and time. And so I'm a big believer in that, okay? And, uh, how many of you appreciate it? It takes money to do all that, to, to, do, to get what they have there. How many of you all appreciate the safety team we have here that protects our church? You appreciate that? County sheriff guys that are out here, okay? They don't do that for free. I mean, they love us. They feel like one of us, but, you know, they have to get paid. My point is we, we have things here that allow us to be blessed. Y'all like the air condition? The air conditioning is good. Y'all like these nice padded seats? 20, almost 22 years later, how many of you were there for two and a half years at T.L. Hannah High School? Let me just see your hand. How many of y'all are left? Okay, there's some of us still there. Here, y'all remember those hard chairs? We couldn't wait to get in this place. Okay, see, my point is when the church is blessed, then you get blessed. How many times have you come to church here and been in a service and you get in the car and your kids are telling you what they learned and your teenagers are telling you what they learned or they got saved or they got touched and they're crying and you're like, wow, God, what did God do? And they're telling you the story or you got touched and you're getting in the car and all you can do is talk about how the presence of God was here and the power of God. You went in heavy and you came out light. You went in down. You came out up. You, you, you went in heavy and burdened, but you came out and the burden's been lifted. How many times has that happened? Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You know Why? It's because we've got the money and the finances to be able to keep the doors open and operate and have the ministries and the pastors and all that we have. It's because we give. You're blessed. Let me tell you something. Right now, people are watching me online. 
all the folks that are watching right now, you're blessed. Because up until last year, we, we didn't have this. But because we had the finances, we were able to buy the camera system. And we have a whole production area. You'd be amazed if you saw what we have. And uh, we're able to put this out there on YouTube and on, on Facebook. And then it's going to be it's recorded. And then it'll be out there. And people are watching it now. For, listen to me. Literally from coast to coast right now, people are watching us right now. Coast to coast. And just think about it. This is their church. And they're being blessed. How does that happen? And I think one of these days we'll be reaching around the world. How does this happen? It happens because we fuel the ministry. We bless the church by giving the tithes. So let me just say this. The church, God doesn't need your tithe. But the church needs your tithe. Why? So the church can be obedient to God. If we're going to pursue the, fulfill the Great Commission, if we're going to offer what we need to do and do the ministry that the church is called to do, be obedient, the tithe helps the church, which is all of us, to be obedient to God. All right, so when you tithe, God is blessed. When you tithe, the church is blessed. Now, here's where it gets good for you. When you tithe, you're blessed. God promises to open the windows of heaven. That's how it words in the Bible. The windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, come on, unless you just are asleep, that really sounds really good. Now, my whole life, when I read that passage, I pictured that there is this giant window in heaven and that God unlatches it and lifts it up, and he's got a big bucket full of these abstract blessings. And then he reaches out and says, looks down on earth and says, y'all get ready, here it comes. And he dumps out these blessings. That, that was, that's the image in my mind. Open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. And I'm thinking, okay, it's kind of different, but okay, and I'm trying to figure it out. It just that's not resonating with me. I mean, who opens up a window and pours out apple pie and iPhones and checks? I just I don't get it. Well, then I went back and I studied it, and then it made sense to me. The word in the Hebrew is a word that isn't like a window in a house. It's like a gate in the back or the front of Hartwell Dam. They're called sluice gates, S-L-U-I-C-E, sluice gates. And there's a picture of them right there. And those gates, along with the dam itself, hold back millions upon millions upon millions of gallons of water. Okay, they hold it back. But at certain times... The Army Corps has to open those gates. The lake gets too high, whatever, or they're going to generate electricity down at the plant, so they have to let the water flow. And, you know, our, our dam is built through the Savannah River system. And so they will, they will open the gates. And I, I have been down there so many times on Lake Hartwell where we have this big dam, Hartwell Dam, and I've been there, and they've got a barrier, floating barrier. You're not allowed to get close to those gates because once they open those gates, it starts sucking millions of gallons of water. You do not want to get sucked through those gates. Okay, if you want to ride like that, go to Six Flags and go down a water ride. That is one water ride you don't want to take. 
millions of gallons of water going out of the back of that thing, out of the front, out of the back, and it's pouring down into an area, and there's so much water that the water can't stay in this area. The water has to flow down the river, and it goes on down to Lake Russell. It has to go somewhere else. Now, you got to get this. And, and, and somewhere in, I want to go to Hartwell Dam one of these days and go look at it. Somewhere in that building, there's a button or a lever or something that you push. Because if you're ever there and they open the gates, this siren goes off. And that's warning you, get back. If you're in your boat, you're supposed to sort of get back from it. And, and you don't want to be anywhere. And the sirens go off and then they get, those gates Start opening up. They start lifting up the water. Millions of gallons of water start pouring out. And so somewhere in there, there's, listen, for all y'all watching online that aren't from the south, y'all push buttons everywhere else in America. Down south, we mash them. You get in an elevator, you say, well, you mash number three for me. Okay? So we mash it. So somewhere in there, there's a guy that has a button. He mashes the button. And that opens the sluice gate. I want to find that button. Listen to me. When you tithe, you mash the button. That's how you press the button. You pull the lever to open the sluice gates of heaven. So I don't want a picture of a window with a bucket. I want a picture of, because I fish on Lake Hartwell. We've all been out on Lake Hartwell. You know, we know how massive Lake Hartwell is. It's one of the biggest man-made lakes in America. That's what I like. I like to think of Lake Hartwell as being the blessings of God. My personal blessings, spiritual blessings, which are the most important of all. Come on, somebody. Financial blessings, marriage blessings, family blessings, blessings, blessing me with more clients, blessing me with more customers, blessing my sales numbers, blessing my commission, blessing my bonuses, blessing my salary, blessing me with promotions and pay raises, blessing in every my health, blessing my mind, my my emotional health, my spiritual health, my mental health, all the blessings. We could just keep going on and on. It covers everything. Massive amount of blessings, the size and the depth of the waters of Lake Hartwell. Y'all getting it now, aren't you? And when you tithe, God. Here it comes. Those gates start open and millions of millions of gallons of God's blessings. Come pour it into your life. How many of y'all like my preaching better than some other preaching of this? That's good preaching, and that's the word. That's the word. Some of y'all right now, like, yeah, man, I want in on this. Okay, tithe. Take 10% of what you earn, give it to God. Give it to God. God is holding reserve, countless blessings for you, waiting for you simply to obey. And if there are still a, some of you, some of you who are still hung up on the 90% thing, bless your heart, okay, you're like, yeah, but you're telling me to give 10%. Listen, there is strong implication in what I just preached to you. That if you give God 10% and say, 
the nine's mine, 90's mine, Lord, 10's yours. Thank you, bless, thank you for the 90, hallelujah. That God will give you the 10% back plus a whole lot more. Listen to me. You gotta have faith. Can you have faith in turbulent times to trust God for your salvation? Absolutely. How many of you are hoping Jesus comes back? Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus came back today? They'll take this whole world, but give me Jesus. They can figure it all out. We'll go to heaven and have ourselves a hallelujah time. It'd be awesome, won't it? Okay. But can you have the same kind of faith to trust God with your finances? That's what I'm preaching today because it takes that kind of faith in turbulent times. You have to trust God. Now, God also promises to rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, Israel's economy was agrarian-based. So the two enemies of a farmer was blight or, or, or mildew or plague that goes on the plants and locusts. Okay, God said, if you take your crops and you take 10% of it and you give it to me, I will rebuke the devourer. So when a locust comes, the locust comes, and they are, they are in the property next to you destroying the crops for a guy who doesn't tithe, and then they're going to hop on over after they have devoured that and hit yours, I will step in and say, I rebuke you. You cannot touch this property. You go on down to another piece of property, but you cannot touch this. And they will obey. When the, when the blight comes and the disease is on the crops next to you, that that disease is now wanting to be windborne and spread over to you, God will rebuke the disease and the wind and say, oh, no, you stop. You cannot get on these crops. I rebuke you. Let me tell you, every time Jesus in the Bible, every time Jesus ever rebuked a demon, they ran for their lives. Every time. They ran. They put their tail between their legs and they ran. Listen, we don't have an agrarian-based economy. We know that. But in your finances and in, and in your life, okay, God has said when things are going to come to try to devour and destroy what I have blessed you with, God said, I will rebuke the devourer. And I'm going to bless you so much that when people look at you, they're going to say, look at them. They are really blessed. And we don't want to get caught up all in money because you can have all the money in the world and your marriage be in trouble and you'll be miserable. You better hope and want for a blessed marriage. And you can have a good marriage and all the money in the world, the greatest job, but if your kids are giving you a fit and making life miserable, you trade all that money if they just act right. Come on, somebody. I told you you wouldn't amen me. I already did this with the first service. They were worse than y'all. I know you're listening. So there are things a lot more important than money. And that's what I'm trying to preach to you today is even though this involves money, God will bless you. And if you don't have peace in your home, and your life, and your marriage, you trade some money for peace, I guarantee you. But God says, I will bless you. And I'll protect you. And everybody who looks at you will say that you're blessed. Look, there are no guarantees in this life. I want to say this to you. We don't know what the future holds in the next several months or years. And there are no guarantees in this life. There's no guarantee that you'll have a job tomorrow. There's no guarantee that you'll keep your job. 
There's no guarantee that you're going to get a raise. There's no guarantee that you're going to get a promotion. There's no guarantee that the stock market is going to remain high. There's no guarantee that your sales will be good. There's no guarantee that your business will pick up or that the competition won't put you out of business. There is no guarantee that one tragedy will not wipe out your entire savings account. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that money takes wings like an eagle and flies away. So don't get too attached to your money. There are no guarantees. There's no guarantee of the future. There's no guarantee who the president's going to be. There's no guarantee what he's going to do, how his administration and decisions will ultimately affect you and your finances and our economy. There's no guarantee. But I'll tell you what is guaranteed. When you tithe, God guarantees to divinely protect your income, your family, your spiritual life, your household, this church. I've been doing this a long time now, y'all, and I've watched God through some of the leanest times. You remember that recession we had a few years ago? Yeah, I watched God bring this church through. But it takes faith. Let me tell you something that none of you know. You know how they have the, 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 the PPE uh, the program, the, the, uh, not PPE, the, the, the business program where you could borrow money? Well, churches were eligible for that too. And so I met with the deacons, and I said to the deacons, I said, you know, finances are your responsibility. We need to at least talk about it. Do you think we ought to get government money and, and try to supplement? And they talked about it for a short time. And every one of your deacons, some of them expressed, you know, maybe we ought to look at it. But when it was all said and done, unanimously, every deacon said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trust God. We're going to believe that God's going to bless our people. We're going to pray for our people, that God's going to bless them, and they're going to give the tithes, and God's going to take care of everything. And, y'all, that is exactly what God has done. Your leadership made a statement to God that said, God, we don't need government money. We'll just take God money. Now, other churches may have had to do it. That's fine. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying for this church, when it came to, to the forks in the road, we made the decision, we're going to trust God. That's faith. That's faith. And when you walk in faith, God responds. Tithing is not about loss. It's about blessing God and blessing his church and ultimately being blessed by God himself. You may say, Pastor, I'm hearing you, but I cannot afford to tithe. My response is, you cannot afford not to tithe. Let me tell you a story. I'm closing with this. Y'all all right? We shouted and had a big time. Let me preach to you. So years ago, this gentleman no longer goes to our church. It's been many, 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 many years ago. There was a, this wonderful man. This guy's still my friend. If I saw him right now, we'd hug each other and love each other. We're friends. So, but, but I tell the story. His name was Steve. I was preaching a message similar to this here at High Praises. And I didn't know it, but I ticked off Steve. I mean, I ticked him off. He didn't tithe. I mean, maybe he got under conviction. That's probably what happened. But either way, he got mad. I mean, he got mad. And he called. He said, I need to meet with you. I said, okay. He came in the office, and I could tell. He was, I mean, he was spitting nails mad. I said, Steve, what is wrong with you? He said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm mad. I said, what are you mad about? He said, well, I'm mad at you. I said, what did I do? He, and then he started sputtering. He said, well, you preached that message. I said, what message? He said, that message on tithing. I said, so what's wrong with tithing? 
Well, I didn't like it. I said, okay, why didn't you like it? What did I say? Well, it's not what you said. He said, I just don't like tithing. I said, okay, you don't like tithing. Okay, so big deal. Why are you mad? Well, the way you preached, it made me, it made me mad because I don't tithe. And you preached I should tithe, and I don't tithe, and I'm mad about it. I said, oh, now we're at the root of this. Okay, so I think you're under conviction. I said, so what do you, what do you want from me? He said, well, I, I want to talk about it. I said, okay. He said, if I tithe, he said, Pastor, you don't know how tight it is in our house. He, they had several children. He said, if we tithe, we won't be able to buy formula and diapers for our babies. He said, I can't tithe. We won't be able to pay our bills. I said, okay, I hear you. I understand. I said, but let me ask you something, Steve. I said, can you do something? I said, can you make a statement to God and give 1%? 3%? Maybe 5% instead of 10 Could you do that? I could see the wheels started turning. He said, well, yeah, maybe. I said, why did you make a statement to God that you trust Him? It doesn't have to be the 10%. Just do something to let God know that you're going to break out of where you are and begin having confidence that He is greater than your finances, than you controlling your finances. He said, okay. He said, you've given me something to think about. I said, okay. See ya. He left. I just kind of shook my head. I don't know. A couple months went by. It wasn't long. I get a phone call that Steve wants to see me again. This time he comes in the office rather sheepishly, very humbly. I said, sit down. We chit-chatted. I finally said, Steve, why are you here? He said, I owe you an apology. I said, what? You didn't do anything to me. He said, yes, I did. He said, last time I came in to see you, he said, I was mad. I took it out on you. I said, well, you did, but that's okay. I said, I'm not offended. I love you. He said, I know. But he said, will you forgive me? I said, yes, I forgive you. You're my brother. I said, what's happening? He said, well, I had to come back not just to apologize, but he said, I went home and I talked to my wife. We decided to do what you said. He never told me the percentage, but he said, we we tithe a a smaller percentage. And we said, we're going to trust God. He said, Pastor, it wasn't, it was a week. He said, I got a pay raise and a promotion within a week. And he said, since then, God has been blessing us. And he said, we're just getting blessed left and right. And he said, I had to come in in a tear and just tell you, you were right. And I wanted to say thank you for guiding me into the truth and helping me to not walk in fear, but to walk in faith. And he said, I also wanted to tell you that from now on, he said, we've already started. He said, we're giving the full 10% now every week. And he said, God is just blessing us. Come on, somebody. Somebody ought to just thank the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Listen to me. It works because it's God's plan. If you have more faith in a South Carolina education lottery ticket than you do in the tithing program, you got some deep faith problem. Woo, good preaching, Pastor. Crazy nut. Yep. If you got more faith in the luck than you do in a God who holds everything in the hollow of his hand, you got some deep faith. Listen to me. Quit buying lottery tickets. All you got to do is just give the tithe of the Lord, and there is a guarantee that God will bless you. Now, listen, I don't want anybody to misquote me because could you go through lean times? Absolutely. 
You go through lean times. Leah and I have paid our tithes our whole life, giving God our tithes. We had some lean times. And by the way, if you keep getting yourself in debt, there are some things that tithing won't get you out of. What would you say, Terrence, one time? You can't tithe your way out of some problems. He said that in a meeting one day. I said, Ooh, I'm going to borrow that, and I'm going to use it, and I'm going to tell anybody you said it. But I guess I did. You can't tithe your way out of some problems. So you got to quit getting in debt. you got to learn how to save money. Okay? That's a whole other issue for a whole other message, I guess. My point is God is faithful. Will you be faithful? So I want you to stand with me. I'm going to sit you back down in just a minute, but I want you to stand with me. And I want to give you a challenge. In just a minute, we're going to do some singing, and we're going to, just a minute, I'm going to sit you back down. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give. So I have a two-point challenge today. Listen to me. This is very important. Number one, I want to challenge you to tithe today. Now, if you're a normal tither, praise God, be obedient like you always are. Thank you so much. But if you don't tithe, or you don't tithe regularly, I'm challenging you to tithe today. Now, if you get paid every two weeks or once a month and this isn't the right week, that's fine. But make a commitment today that when you do get paid next, that you're going to give God 10%. And then my other challenge is don't just do it today, but do it for the next three months. This is November 15th, so that's December 15th, January 15th, February 15th. Going into 2021, commit that for three months you are going to trust God with your finances and you're going to give God the time. And then let me know what happens. I can tell you what the Bible says is going to happen. God's going to open up those sluice gates. And you're going to have a testimony like Steve did of the blessings of God in your life. So would you just pray right now? Just begin praying and say, God, help me in this area and in every area in these turbulent times to trust you and have faith in you and prove it by my obedience. Can you pray that right now? Come on, I'll lead you. Father, in the name of your precious son, Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to preach this word. I don't believe in prosperity gospel. I don't preach it. Never have. But I do preach your financial plan. God, I know that just as the water comes out of the back of Lake Hartwell and it flows and goes down Savannah River, down to Russell and just keeps on flowing, God, you want to bless us so much that we have such blessing that we turn around and we're able to bless others and give to others and help others and pour into others. And and that may be finances, but it may be a spiritual overflow or God, our emotional blessing or mental blessing or health or our knowledge. God, it could be any number of our influence. There's so many things, so many blessings, God, that help us to trust you in these turbulent times, help us to have faith in you and our confidence in you and show it, God, by our obedience. God, by our obedience, help every person today who's going to start tithing for the first time. Bless them, God. Bless them. I know you said you would. Open up the gates and bless them, Lord, and let them know that they're being blessed. And then, God, to just keep walking and living in that for the rest of their lives. And we just thank you and praise you. We worship you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.